Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Father, this morning we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the inspiration of your word. We thank you for the challenge of your word. And uh, as we apply ourselves uh, in these few moments to hearing from you, God, I I pray that your word would be alive in us. So speak to us by your Holy Spirit through the power of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today uh, I want to look at the actual passage that that clip was uh, based on. And uh, I've called today's message Living on Mission. And obviously uh, this month uh, and particularly last week um, uh, and today, uh, having a focus on the Food Basket Project is a part of our church's mission expression. But the challenge for us is to think about that's an expression of missions, but what does it mean for me to live every moment of every day on mission? So reading this passage from Matthew 28, uh, this comes under the heading in my Bible of the Great Commission. Uh, Starting at verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." There's no question in our world today, every major company, every organisation, every school, uh, every social club, sporting clubs and the like, they all have mission statements. These mission statements are intended to communicate and to define specifically what an organisation is all about and to bring clarity to that mission. Some statements are short and memorable. I mean, you don't get much simpler than Nike's just do it. But others can get a little bit complicated and it would seem in some boardroom somewhere they overthink things and make things unnecessarily complicated and if you google bad mission statements you you get a host of them and none of these actually clarify the mission they just totally confuse what the mission is and I found this one from an IT group it's our responsibility to professionally engineer diverse meta services so that we may endeavor to assertively integrate performance-based catalysts for change while promoting personal employee growth yeah (laughs) yeah it wasn't your company Tim (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) You resonate, do you, Tim? (laughs) That's good. Now, it's interesting. Even churches have mission statements. And these mission statements are enacted on the basis of 
vision, on the basis of culture, on the basis of location. And it's the context of a church's function. But in the church space, uh, even for us, we have some mission statements, but our statement of purpose is nurturing people, supporting families, building community. Now, that is a reflection of our culture. It's a reflection of our values. It's a reflection of our vision. And it's certainly a reflection of our context. But for the church, their local mission statement, which they all have, their local mission statement must be fulfilled in the context of the mission statement that Jesus actually gave to the church as the church was about to explode into being. This is God's mission statement for the church. We've already read it from verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That is the mission statement of the church. Can I hear an amen this morning? So I want us to unpack this a little bit today to help us understand what it looks like corporately to live on mission. Yes, but personally, individually, how do we live on mission? So I'll give you a little bit of background to this encounter. In Jerusalem, the risen Jesus appeared, first of all, to the two Marys, and then on two occasions in Jerusalem to the disciples. Then there's a bit of a skip in the story and the location shifts from Jerusalem to Galilee. And we have an, an encounter uh, in John's gospel of Jesus appearing to seven of the disciples early one morning while they're sitting cooking some fish for breakfast. Jesus joins them for breakfast on the beach and then he goes for a walk with Peter and totally reinstates Peter to ministry because Peter at that point in the presence of Jesus would have been very much aware of his failure of denying Jesus three times and deserting him. Jesus totally reinstates him to ministry. Now Matthew's gospel actually doesn't record uh, that incident. But what it does record is a shift of geography from Jerusalem to Galilee. Verse 16 of Matthew 28 tells us, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. The mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When had he told them to go there? Well, Jesus had actually given them this instruction before he was crucified. In Matthew 26 and 32, But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Then Jesus himself, after he had risen, uh, gave, these, gave this uh, message. Sorry, an angel gave a message to the women, uh, which was the same message. Interestingly, in Matthew 28 and 7, 
He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And then Jesus himself reinforces that just a few verses later. The risen Jesus, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So three occasions, once before he was crucified and, and once and twice after he was resurrected, there is this instruction to go to Galilee, go to Galilee, go to Galilee. What's the lesson here? Friends, if we are living life intentionally on mission, if we are truly dialed in to God, when God gives us an instruction, we got to go. When God gives clear instruction, we need to move forward in obedience to what it is He's calling us to do. Simply put, Living on mission requires obedience. And it's interesting, the Food Basket Project came onto our radar just prior to the missions auction. And we thought, well, let's kind of put some tins on the table at the mission auction and see if we can raise a little bit of money towards this. But when we introduced this at the missions auction, there was such an overwhelming response from the congregation, from you guys, it became really clearly evident this, this is not something that we can ignore. This is something we have to do. And God totally confirmed that in the days that followed. And we just knew that we knew that we knew that this was a missions partnership opportunity that we could not walk away from. But here's the thing. When God gives you clear instruction, I would encourage you when he puts something before you and you know it's God, the last question you ask is, well, how's that going to happen and how much is that going to cost? But so often they're the questions that we ask when we feel God's calling us to do something. How's it going to happen and how much is that going to cost? Because the reality for us as a church in that in committing fully to underwrite the Food Basket Project, we've just added about $4,500 to our monthly missions budget. Now in the natural, that kind of seems like a bit of a crazy thing to do in increasingly challenging economic times. But here's one of the things about working in a faith community that I totally love. I love this dynamic. Because we have a great team. We've got a great management team. We've got a great eldership who, who work so diligently in, uh, in the space of oversight of our church, in, in, the, in the space of our organisational compliance and all that kind of stuff. They do a great, great job. So a shout out to our management team and to our eldership. But what I love is that when we hear from God, they don't ask those kinds of questions. When they hear from God, we obey regardless of whether it makes sense or is terribly convenient in the natural or not. And Jesus had just given his disciples this instruction to go to Galilee. Now that's not a simple, okay, well, let's go. This is a four-day journey. And they'd probably be saying, well, I, I, I don't know why we're going particularly. Um... I don't know what we'll do when we get there, but Jesus has clearly told us, so let's go. Now, when they do finally get to the mountain that Jesus spoke of, we have this amazing statement in verse 16. 
Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Now, I'm not going to dig into the last part of that statement today. Some doubted. But I love the fact that when they do what Jesus has called them to do, they finally meet up with him on the mountain. And their first response is to worship. Friends, if we're going to be a missional church, if we are going to be missional individuals living our lives on mission, we must be a worshipping people. Can I hear an amen this morning? There's a question that I think Tim raised in our discussion last week. And I made the comment that of the largest aid and development aid, uh, organizations and agencies on the face of the planet today, the largest ones, they actually all had their beginnings as Christ-centered gospel mission. Now, obviously, for some of those big players, there's been a huge change in mission and culture and values. And it makes me ask the question, what was responsible for the shift being at one, on one hand in its beginnings, a Christ-centered, gospel-centric uh, missional organization to now certainly excel in the area of aid and development. What happened? Well, I think there's a whole bunch of uh, reasons that we could give for that shift in culture. But I would suggest there was a slow shift in a culture where they were serving God to then become a culture where they were simply serving the mission. And one of the symptoms is that their mission became more important than their worship. This time next week, um, I'll actually be in Malaysia. I head off next Friday for a weekend of ministry in Malaysia. And then Sunday evening next week, I fly to the Philippines and on Monday week, I will be uh, visiting the Compassion Office in Manila, which I'm really, really excited about. Compassion is arguably the largest missions agency on the face of the planet. Their mission is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. This year, as I said last week, Kerry and I mark... Uh, this year, we mark our 30th year of advocacy for Compassion's ministry. And as I visit Compassion in the Philippines uh, next week, um, it just coincides with the 50th anniversary of Compassion's presence in the Philippines. Now, I think one of the many reasons, probably the main reason, that Compassion have remained totally gospel-centric since they began, is that the culture of the organisation has never allowed the mission to be more important than their worship. 
And I find it so cool that as I visit the National Office of Compassion in the Philippines next week, I go there as an advocate. I go there as a donor from a major supporting country partner. I find it so cool that they have not asked that I would spend time with their program manager or their regional managers to hear what the work and what the opportunities are going on. I find it so cool that they've simply asked me to lead them in worship and encourage them from the Word of God. So good. I used to have a book on my shelf by John Piper called The Supremacy of God in Missions. And uh, we got rid of boxes and cartons and cartons and cartons of books from Risby Street when we cleared out there. And I think it got lost in, it's one that I would have hung on to had I known, but I don't know where it's gone. If you have it, please give it back. The Supremacy of God in Missions, John Piper. I found this quote from a missions um, message I gave many, many years ago uh, from that book. And he says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is the ultimate, not missions. Because God is the ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It's a temporary necessity. But worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal in missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into the white hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. That's so powerful. Friends, we are created not primarily to be ministers or missionaries. We are created to be worshippers. And it is as we worship that God then calls us to the mission field, that God calls us to to be ministers. So we need to be worshippers if we are going to live on mission Corporately, if we're going to live on mission personally and individually, we need to be a people who know what it is to worship. Then verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we need to know, friends, as a church, our mission field, whatever that looks like from next door to overseas, Everything that we do is done under the authority of Jesus. It is under the authority of God, the creator of this universe and all that it contains. And the Jesus who calls us and who draws us into mission is the one who holds all authority and power. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2 and 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, Jesus holds all authority. He has all authority over every nation. God controls every breath that we breathe and every beat of our hearts. God has control over every leader, every prime minister, every every president, every king. 
Jesus holds all authority and all power. There is nothing outside of his control. And the great thing is that whatever he calls us to do, whatever he calls us to accomplish, it is all under his authority. It's not a power that we possess. We don't go around pretending to be gods. We don't play God. But it is God exercising his power in and through us by his Holy Spirit as he wills and as he directs. And if we are going to successfully live on mission, we need to understand the authority that we come under and the authority that we possess. Can I hear an amen? And again, here's that mission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. These are among the last recorded words of Jesus before he ascends to his Father in heaven. He doesn't present it as a question or a suggestion or an option. And yet too often, I think particularly in the West, we live like it is an optional extra in the Christian life. But it's not a question. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. It's the mission that we're called to. It's the mission that we've been saved into. So Jesus says, therefore, it's how he begins the Great Commission. Therefore, which is linking directly back to the authority that he's just stated he carries. Everything that we've been given to do is based on his absolute authority and we are sent out as ambassadors of God. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples. Now, on first read, go and make disciples, we can mistakenly think that that's two commands that God calls us to go and then God calls us to make disciples and when we understand it as two commands we wrongly think well first of all there's an obedience to the command go and then there's an obedience to the command to make disciples But when we think of it as two commands, we think that obedience to the Great Commission means if I am to go, it means I've got to stop what I'm doing right now and then I've got to go into what God has called me to do. And when we think of it that way, then go becomes an excuse. And we say, well, I can't go right now because I've got too many responsibilities. It's not just the right season for me right now to stop what I'm doing. So I can't go, which means I can't make disciples. But unfortunately, you don't get a pass this morning because go and make disciples is not two commands. It's one command. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, the word that Jesus uses for go literally means as you go or in your going. In other words, you are to be about the business of making disciples 24-7. As you go, as you leave this place this morning, go and make disciples. 
As you wake up in the morning, as you go, make disciples. And we're called to live on mission every moment of every day. Therefore, friends, as you go, make disciples. What's a disciple? Literally a learner. Somebody who is being mentored by the master. Which means this is more of a journey. Evangelism is a part of making disciples, but the disciple road is not just saying yes to Jesus. That is step one. Making disciples is intentionally investing into the lives of others to help them grow in faith. So how are you doing at making disciples? Do you have people in your life that you are intentionally meeting with to encourage in faith, to encourage in life, to pray with, to share with and to spur one another on toward love and good deeds as the Bible encourages us to do. One of the things that I love about my regular week is the early morning catch-ups I do most weekday mornings with many of the guys that I mentor in the life of the church. And I love particularly, I've got a few younger guys that I've brought into that mentor cohort this year. And I just love just sharing stories of faith. I love just chatting about life and chatting about God and chatting about ministry. And particularly for our young guys, helping them establish this missional mindset that God has called me to live on mission for Him 24-7. Then Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And friends, the task of making disciples does extend to the ends of the earth. Because that's the mission field. That's the kingdom as God sees it. The word for nations in the Greek is the word ethne, where we get the word ethnic from. It's not talking about countries and nations. It's talking about people groups, ethnic people groups. Estimated there are over 16,000 distinct people groups all over the world. And here is the really challenging statistic because many of us are hoping and praying that Jesus comes back tomorrow. You're going to wish you hadn't said amen. Six and a half thousand of those 16,000 are still considered unreached. We've got a lot of work to do. And yeah, I agree with you, Sal. We can look at the world and we can withdraw from the world and think, Jesus, just come back tomorrow, just come back tomorrow. And I think his response is, well, you can expedite it, you know. Go and live on mission. Let's never become comfortable or complacent. It can be so easy for us in the busyness of this life to get consumed with all of the stuff that just drags us off mission. I pray that God would open our eyes and break our hearts for those who every day are crossing over into a lost eternity. Revelation 5 and 9, And with your blood, speaking of Jesus, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So friends, once more, here's the mission statement. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And the really cool thing about living life on mission is we're not doing this thing alone. 
He says, I'm always with you. I'm always with you. To the very end of the age. The King James Version actually starts with lo, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. And it finishes with an amen. Which is basically saying, here's the statement. I'm going to start it with a see and behold and finish it with a remember. Know that God walks with us. That no matter how challenging, no matter how difficult the task may seem, we've got to know the God of, our, of this universe is on our side. I love Isaiah 41 and 10. So do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jesus promised in John 14 and 8, this is in the upper room with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, a few words, I will not leave you as orphans. How beautiful that is. Friends, this is a mission that we do not have to do alone. It's the co-mission, meaning together. It's a co-mission. We're in this together and we're in this with God. God leads us, God guides us, God empowers us, God walks with us and we go in the authority of Jesus. And so as I wrap this up, if we are living on mission, first of all, we listen and when God clearly gives us a direction, we step out in obedience, not asking how or how much, just stepping out in obedience. Then everything that we do in life individually and in mission corporately has got to be out of a heart of worship. That God, my number one priority in life is not the stuff that you've called me to do. My number one priority in life is simply worshipping you. And in that place of worship, we are overwhelmed by who God is, by his awesomeness, by his authority, by his love, by his strength, by his grace. And it's the awareness and the revelation of all of that stuff that drives us confidently in the mission that he's called us to do. Thirdly, we've got to know the authority that we carry. I'm with you always. We've got to understand what the mission is. Go make disciples and know that it's a co-mission together. Friends, let's not just talk about being fishers of men is what Jesus said to the disciples when he called them. I pray that you and I increasingly would be the fishers. Let's pray. Hey God, this morning as we look at mission, it's, it's far, far, far deeper than just embracing a great initiative and a new project, a new partnership. It's about how we live our lives 24-7. And Father, maybe there are some priorities within us that need to shift a little bit. 
that the call to mission just goes hand in hand with essentially our salvation. You've, you've saved us, Lord God, not just so that we can guarantee a free ride to heaven. You've saved us so that we'd live on mission for you, God. So forgive us, Lord, when a whole bunch of other stuff seems to take priority. I pray that you would be our number one priority, that we would just be a worshipping people. And from that place of worship and surrender, God, you would bring into our lives, you would bring into our circumstances, you would bring into our heart, you would just bring into our spirit, Lord God. Just those words that prompt us, Lord, those, those things that we can't let go of, the things that you were drawing us into, Lord God. And I, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that as a church, we can live sacrificially on mission. And I'm not talking dollars. I'm talking time. I'm talking talents. I'm talking gifts. I'm talking love. That opening clip that we looked at, what the church would look like if we truly represented the love of Jesus, the difference it would make. May that be true for us. So, Father, we, we just thank you for this moment because we sit in this room today an incredibly privileged people. And I pray, Lord God, as we are challenged to respond to this food basket project, that responding in some way financially uh, is not the end of the journey, but the beginning of a journey. That what we do as, an, as, a, as a gesture to support those in need actually becomes an attitude of my heart, not just kind giving. So Father, I just pray that you would Ignite and reignite a fire in us, Lord God. Because the reality is, even in this community, even as we leave this driveway this morning and head out to Eastlands Drive, it's people that just do not know the hope of Jesus. Father, by your Holy Spirit, prompt us and convict us to be a worshipping people living intentionally on mission for your glory, whatever that looks like. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.